The text of the sermon is taken from the gospel. Uh, Jesus entered a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought him a man sick of the palsy lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Jesus' city, uh, own city, that's referred to in the text, is, was Capernaum. Uh, he moved there early in his ministry and made that the hub of his operation after the people of Nazareth uh, <clears throat> tried to kill him uh, after he had preached uh, uh, one Sabbath day. The first piece of uh, information uh, uh, is an account of a sick man in this text. The first piece of information is an account of a sick man whose friends cared enough for him to bring him to Jesus. Uh, this is probably the same account, possibly the same man that's reported in Mark's gospel, whose friend had, friends had removed the, the roof uh, of the uh, house where Jesus was teaching and, and healing. You all remember that account, I'm sure. Uh, the home that's referred to uh, in the text is, is probably uh, Peter's and Andrew's home where uh, our Lord healed Peter's mother-in-law. Uh, friendship uh, is a big thing here. Friendship is a wonderful thing. Every week we are reminded that love of neighbor is so high a matter for Jesus that we have it repeated over and over again in, in the uh, uh, liturgy of the church. Along with loving God with all our being, love of neighbor is the fulfillment of the law. Yes, God uh, is our happiness, and only God himself is sufficient uh, for the human heart. But listen to me. It is not the case uh, uh, that nothing short of God awakens our love, our reverence, and our trust. That's not true. Friends do that. Friends may open our hearts, and it is sweet indeed when friendship meets at the foot of the cross. But our hearts require, yes, require indeed, our hearts long for a permanence that no man or woman can promise. And friends know this. Uh, true friends will never promise more to one another, will never seek more uh, from one another than is appropriate to our created stature. We are created for embodied fellowship with one another, uh, and we are better, uh, better people for that fellowship. A true friend in Christ is a soothing comfort, all because that friendship finds its end in Christ and his kingdom. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed, and Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins are forgiven thee. Whatever these men understood about Jesus, uh, he saw their faith uh, and, and others like it in the Bible. Uh, one of the, uh, and, and their love for their friends. One of the upshot, uh, one upshot of this account and, and, and other accounts in the New Testament is that Jesus acted upon the faith of a sick person's friend, uh, not on the faith of the sick person. I mean, it's specifically spelled out that way. And, would, and, and would, if that were not the case, he wouldn't, they would not have been so specific. And in several cases, uh, where Jesus raised a dead person, 
uh, to life. It is obvious that the faith uh, of the beneficiary of his miracle had nothing to do with it. Uh, only three weeks ago, in Trinity 16, we had the gospel account of a widow who was bearing her only child. Uh, and when the Lord saw her, the, the scriptures say, he had compassion on her and saith unto her, Weep not. And he, Jesus, said to the man, he said, Young man, a dead man, who was obviously not exercising personal faith, he said, unto the, he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak and was delivered to his mother. Now frequently we see, frequently, a father, mother approaching Jesus on behalf of a sick child or demon-possessed servant. Uh, in the Gospel for Lent 2, we have such a story. And behold, a woman of Cana came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. And Jesus did have mercy on her and her child. We see this sort of event repeated over and over again throughout the Gospels as well as throughout our own lives and the lives of our friends. It is a blessing uh, and a comfort to have friends. It is, a, uh, and it is a mark of the importance of this sort of event, uh, of this great consolation uh, in the life of the church that they are multiplied in our liturgical calendars throughout the year. Uh, this poor man had intercessors who brought him to Jesus and that made all the difference in his life. Another upshot of this gospel, uh, of the gospel today, is the comfort, the blessing, and the necessity of intercessory prayer uh, in, in God's uh, order for our life within the body of Christ. John Wesley said, God does nothing through prayer. He also said, I know of no gospel except the social gospel, by which Wesley meant a social having to do with community, life within the community of the body of Christ. Uh, this is what I want you to see. In these specific events in our Lord's earthly ministry, uh, what is being described is not circumscribed by what we call intercessory prayer, the way we usually think about it. Intercessory prayer is absolutely indispensable, but it is not a matter of getting what we want for ourselves and others we love. Intercessory prayer is part of a whole Intercessory prayer is a manifestation of our way of life. We are called to intercede for one another and for the life of the world. When someone asks you to pray for them, they're asking you to take the role that these friends had who brought this sick man uh, to Jesus. Uh, Jesus honors intercessory prayer, yes, but, but there's more to it. The very order of the body of Christ may be described as intercessory prayer. Uh, it's how we live best. Uh, this is how we most authentically live together as Christians. It's not merely that intercessory prayer works. It does work. Uh, but, but intercessory prayer is not a tool that we uh, pull out of our spiritual toolbox when it's needed. It's not like a power drill. Uh, it's not instrumental. 
It's not really pragmatic. It's really not utilitarian. God has ordained intercessory prayer to be the way we live. And God has ordained intercessory prayer to be for the good of the world as well as the good of heaven. It's not that God needs our prayers. It is that God has ordered our life such that prayer is our finality. I've already said, uh, Jesus frequently acted upon the faith and the request of one person for the benefit of another, regardless of, of uh, their faith, that is the recipient. Uh, baptism uh, is the archetype, spot-on example uh, of that very thing. Every baby who is baptized into Christ has this beginning through the intercession of others who love him or her. The only thing he can do is smile or cry or sleep. And I've seen him do all of that, and you have too. Uh, it's the parents, the, grand, uh, the, the parents and the godparents uh, who not only intercede for him, listen, but also speak what he cannot speak himself. They speak what he cannot speak himself. Uh, at the moment of baptism, the priest does not ask the parents or the godparents if they wish to have the baby baptized. The questions of faith are posed, as it were, to the baby and the godparents answer in his name. Will thou be baptized in this faith? That is my desire, is the appropriate answer for the godparents. Wilt thou then obediently keep God's holy will and commandments and walk in the same all the days of, our, of thy life? I will by God's help. Intercession, friendship, fellowship, common prayer, all amount to a common life in Christ. But listen, uh, the same thing that binds me to Christ binds me to everyone who is in Christ. The same thing that binds us to Christ binds us to one another. As soon as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we are, in a real sense, baptized into uh, one another. Uh, as the epistle uh, said uh, this morning, we are members of Christ and we are members one of another. That is an inescapable ontological reality. We are not merely individual persons. Love of neighbor is a natural state of being in the body of Christ. Friendship, fellowship, community in the body, is uh, common life is a, a sacramental interconnectedness that we call the communion of saints. And the communion of saints is, is a communion that cannot be broken and is not broken by death. We continue to be in communion with our blessed departed. Are you all with me? Okay. Let me suggest a practical way, as an aside, in which you may enter a little more practically uh, and, and, uh, uh, and deeply into our common life. Take one of those prayer lists that's in the church, that's in the, uh, in the pew in front of you. Take it home with you. Uh, and uh, every day this week at 1215, 
Uh, if you can't be here, which most of you can, I know, but at 1215, uh, take that out and read those names to yourself uh, or, or read them out loud and, and, and use the prayer uh, on page 18. Got that? 18. Legal age. Page 18 of the Book of Common Prayer, the prayer that's right in the middle of that page when you do that. If it were left up to us, one more thing I, I want to say. Uh, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. It's the first thing he said to the man. If it were left, if it were left up to us, more often than not, the good would root out the best. The good would root out the best. Uh, as important as physical healing is, especially if you need to be healed, uh, Jesus knows what is best for us and not what is merely good for us. Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. Now some object to this because they think that our Lord is associating this man's illness with personal sin. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. I tell you what, there's not enough uh, information in that text to know that, uh, really what the case is. Uh, uh, but, but what is certain uh, Lee, the case is that the and this is certain that the gospels do not argue uh, that all sickness is a direct result of personal sin. That's not true, and Jesus makes it very clear that that's that that is is not uh, the case. Uh, in the New Testament, signs and wonders are primarily uh, evidence of the breaking in of the kingdom of God, and Jesus corrects this mistaken notion uh, of linking illness to personal sin. But I mean, as a matter of fact. It may be uh, that particular sins would naturally lead to sicknesses. I mean, uh, abuse of alcohol uh, will certainly lead to a deterioration of your health, morals, and community. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and, and other sins as well. Uh, it is also the case that uh, our world, every part of it, in particular socially, our world has been affected by the wounds of the fall, so the actual sin uh, is, is also a part of our life. Uh, and there, so there is naturally a link between sin and illness in that sense as well. See what I'm saying? Okay. Enough of you shook your head yes that I don't need to. But it would be a mistake to always take illness to be a direct result of personal sin. The point I want to make is this, though. 